0: Ahoy and welcome to the Jolly Reader. I'm your host, Captain Book. Thanks for coming back to see what happens, even though the first half of this book was dull. Doesn't get much better. But today we're tackling The Vanishing Stair, part two, pages 197 through 369, chapters 13 through 25. I just say that in case you read the book or you want to follow along. I don't suggest you read the book though. So, anyways, if you haven't listened to the summary of part one you could probably survive without it but you go back and listen to it it'll be fine so i will summarize here and now for us 1930s we meet frankie and eddie and we discover that they wrote the truly devious letter and at least frankie did not participate in the kidnapping or dottie's murder because she's genuinely shocked We think Albert Ellingham is having an affair with the house mother of Minerva, Miss Nelson. He is. We find that out for sure. There's a secret tunnel in Minerva behind the stairs. And then 2017, Stevie finds a secret hole in Ellie's room that the tin was hidden in Frankie and Eddie's tin. And Stevie meets Fenton, a writer who's investigating the Ellingham case. She wants Stevie to find the tunnel in Minerva. Ellie's still missing and David wants to find her. Okay things to look forward to. A dead body, a kidnapping, and a solved riddle. It sounds like a lot, but it's super disappointed, so buckle up. Chapter 13, shall we begin? Okay. <laughs> my fir- my very first note is, oh good, I get to start off by scream ranting about something that doesn't make any sense. Yay. Okay, so it's Halloween, like the morning of Halloween, and There's going to be a Halloween party at the main house, and it's talking about everyone's costumes, even the minor characters, the biggest of who cares. And Janelle puts together a Gandalf costume for Nate, and David is going as quote-unquote sexy Sherlock Holmes for Stevie. He bought a coat that apparently cost $2,000, and he charged it to his dad's credit card, and she's still avoiding her feelings for him. Not for long, unfortunately. Talk about toxic relationships, but anyways, side note, before they go to the party, Stevie's looking for the Minerva secret tunnel, so she's looking in the rooms and the bathrooms and stuff, and she doesn't find anything, so she doesn't believe Fenton. She's, like, really aggressive about it. She's like, no way Fenton's making this up. I would know. So then it says, boom, Stevie figures it out. Okay, so what happens is they're at this party, and her and are skip everything because nothing's important. Her and David are outside like the main hall and she's looking at the kitchens and how back in the day they would store stuff under like downstairs under the stairs and stuff and boom she figures it out there has to be a tunnel under the stairs in Minerva so she says that Albert even talks about under the stairs where do you look for someone who's never really there always on a staircase but never on a stair I'm sorry it says on a stair not under a stair so that's a weak connection that doesn't make any sense and then later on we find out that's not even what the riddle meant oh we'll get there at the end i will be screaming i'll have to turn down the record volume it'll be like crackling anyways so long story short stevie and david find the tunnel behind the stairs and nate shows up and he's like don't do stupid things so stevie suggests that they get janelle because she could get a drone to go down there and look around but instead david jumps in the hole and Stevie, of course, has to follow him. And basically, Nate's going to stand guard. So Nate's not about this idea and brings up several good points why they shouldn't go roaming around in this tunnel. And Nate points out that Stevie would go because he, quote unquote, meaning David, is down there. An idiot Stevie doesn't know what he means, but there is a tunnel to explore. She obviously is a stupid girl trying to go be with David. Oh, I have typical girl doing stupid things because some cute reckless boy wants them to horrible way to live. Nate cares about her safety and David doesn't. But who's always a stupid love interest? Find your Corey, not your Sean. But Stephen doesn't deserve anything because she's trash, too. So she should find the I don't know, a trash can. <sighs> she's so angsty. Chapter 14. Well, in the tunnel, David wants a fresh start with Stevie, so he goes the full disclosure route when we get his life story. So, like, kind of big who cares, but it's, like, a little interesting, I guess, and it might be important in the third book. We'll see. So, Edward King married David's mom named Becky, and they had David, obviously. Edward wasn't around much because he was doing his political career, and Becky became an alcoholic becky had an incident where she burned herself in the bath because she passed out and the hot water was running so david called his dad and couldn't reach him and like edward king's secretary told david to call 911 and david was like nine years old at the time his mom was fine by the way so edward king was mad that david didn't just handle it and that's why david doesn't associate with his dad anymore then i'm assuming this will come into play at some point but becky got pregnant by someone else We don't know his name, like David doesn't know him, but I think David does say that he works in politics. And she conveniently has a baby with this guy named, well, the baby's name is Allison. So if we remember slash care in the first book, when Stevie thought that David was talking to a girlfriend on the phone, he was saying, Allison, blah, blah, blah. That was him talking to his sister, apparently. So Becky and Edward get divorced. And then Edward marries Tina, who's his current wife, Then that's who Stevie knew. And Stevie said she had no idea that Edward King was even previously married. And then they reach the end of the tunnel, and there's, like, stairs to go up, but it's either locked or blocked or something. I'm assuming this would be either where Frankie came out or this would be in the main house. Then David says he tells her all this because their relationship is the one thing that Edward King doesn't have control over. But like, obviously we know that's not true because of Stevie's deal with Edward. So she could have told David, but she chooses not to because, you know, she's stupid. So they start making out as Stevie describes as frantically in this like pitch black tunnel. It's really awkward and weird. So then they see a flash of light and they think it's Nate signaling for them to head back. And as they're walking back, Stevie sees plastic from like a trash bag and she tries to connect. I don't even know if I mentioned this, but Ellie made a dress out of trash bags for one of the parties. And then Stevie realizes there's another tunnel and David says they should probably head back and explore it at another time because Nate was signaling. Then Stevie sees more garbage bag plastic then something formless and purple. Dot, dot, dot. And I said, I would care more if I didn't already predict this. So I'll give you a minute to process, but it's Ellie dead in the tunnel, which I said like three episodes ago. (sighs) So now we move on to interview with Marian Nelson. That's the house mother of Minerva. Conducted in New York City by Agent Henry Evans, New York City office and Agent George Marsh, Vermont field office, April 20th, 1936. This is ridiculous. Okay. Okay. Basically, long story short, they get Mrs. Nelson to admit that she's been having an affair with Albert Ellingham for seven years. That's so long. Anyways, we find out that they met when she was a secretary at one of his newspapers and he asked her to come work for the school. She doesn't think anyone knows about the affair, but also it has been going on for seven years. So, I don't know how you don't know about an affair that long. So, then she says that Albert was not like Iris whatever iris was not like albert i guess she wasn't serious-minded but mrs nelson doesn't say this stuff in a mean way she's just describing how her and albert had more in common than him and iris but she's like i don't want to speak ill of iris who's missing she just she's just explaining it like she's not guilty i that's just my opinion but then they ask about alice and she says that albert lives for that little girl you would think that she's the only person in the world I feel like that's supposed to be pointing at something we have no idea. So chapter 15. This would be more fun reading if it wasn't so predictable. They find Ellie's body in the tunnel. (laughs) So (laughs) I say, how many bodies does Stevie have to find before they start suspecting her? Literally, no one thinks like, oh, Stevie could be guilty of this stuff. It's super weird. So David and her climb out of the tunnel and they tell Nate what's going on and David tells Nate and Stevie to go to their rooms and put on headphones and he'll call the police or whoever to report Ellie's body and he'll say that he went down alone and he knows he'll be okay and Nate doesn't know this yet but like Stevie and David know that David's gonna be okay because he's a senator's son. So... Stevie turns on music and she like falls asleep. I don't know how you find your second dead body and you just fall asleep. But then Pix arrives and she tells them to pack their things and they're going to be staying in the yurt tonight because like obviously people have to investigate the tunnel. Vi's going to meet them at the yurt because Janelle asked if they could. I'm still suspicious of Vi. They're always everywhere. But anyways, so she informs them that David found Ellie I'm assuming this is pics. I didn't write my notes that David found Ellie dead in the tunnel. David is at the great house explaining everything. As they're walking to the yurt, Stevie pulls security Larry aside. She tells him what happened, like what really happened that they all went down in the tunnel and Nate was staying watch or whatever. But Officer Larry already knew because he found the mustache from her costume in the tunnel. He says that she doesn't need to say anything to the police unless they ask for more information, which why? This is a dead body like... He told her not to mess around with this. And now he's telling her, oh, you don't need to tell the police anything. So anyways, Larry thinks Ellie got stuck in the tunnel. There's an entrance. We know this in the basement from the main house and something must have blocked her off. That's his theory because kids just die accidentally at the school now. And that's normal. So anyways, Larry also tells Stevie that he knows that Edward King is why she's back at school. And he asked her what Edward wants in exchange. And she admits that it's to keep an eye on David and Larry says it's not your job to protect David. Don't follow someone into the dark, which I totally agree with this crap. Like, you're 16 or 17, and he's a stupid boy, and you guys are both toxic. And, like, I almost feel like David deserves better. But maybe I'm just, like, too old for books like this, but this is so freaking irritating. I don't even know what to say. I'm telling you, find your Cory under pants. Are you guys too young to know that reference? It's so good. Anyways, go watch Boy Meets World. I think it's on Netflix or something. I digress. So, Stevie wants to see David, who's apparently in the library because there's too many people in the main house for the party. Chapter 16 Stevie describes Ellie as being wrapped in garbage bags when they find her body. So, why would it be assumed that she got stuck down there? You know who wraps bodies in trash bags? Murderers. Watch one documentary, just one. Like, everyone's like, oh, this must have been an accident. There was no camera with Hayes, and she's wrapped in a trash bag. Inconsistencies, so much fun. So Stevie meets at David in the library and he told her that Ellie was the only one before Stevie that knew that he was Edward King's son and they got drunk and it slipped out and she never judged him and she never told anyone. David began sobbing and Stevie sucks at comforting him, which I can't even judge her. I'm like so bad about that. I'm like, okay, stop crying now. We're all uncomfortable. So (laughs) anyways, when Stevie's comforting him, she starts to wonder if what she's doing is like her own feelings or because she made this deal with edward king big who cares she could have just told david about this crap but it's just gonna blow up at some point point. and then i say oh i guess it's going to blow up now that took two seconds so stevie and david head over to the year together and david noticed that the school is taking special care that stevie's parents don't get freaked out because like as they're leaving the library headmaster charles like makes a comment oh, we'll make sure your parents are not alarmed about this. So David starts putting it together that his dad flew Stevie back to Ellingham. And then this says, okay, I audibly laughed while reading. So David's half crying, half furious that his dad got to Stevie of all things. And what's the logical thing Stevie does? I think we saw this in the girl in the picture, but Stevie just runs. She just runs away he's like hey my dad made a deal with you didn't he and she just takes off down i don't know down the sidewalk and she runs to the yoga studio and ties straps around the door and makes a bed out of yoga mats and texts janelle and nate to tell them she's going to bed and she's fine and she just goes to sleep in there what in the crazy is happening in this book it's ridiculous this whole thing is so stupid i want to know if this is something i just missed Do teenagers really just, like, run away when, like, emotions happen? I don't know. Next time someone tells me they want to talk, I'm going to take off running. Chapter 17. So Stevie apparently just wakes up the next morning in her yoga fort, and she's pretending she's a detective because some of them sleep in cars and stuff, and it's basically the same thing that she just ran away and slept in a yoga room. It's dumb. So Stevie comes out of the yoga place and Maris starts talking to her. And this is literally pointless, but she can barely believe Ellie's dead. And then Maris said she didn't believe Stevie's accusation at first. And Stevie's like, I only accused her of writing the zombie story and hiding the computer not to be a murderer. This isn't my fault. And then Maris is like, Ellie and Hayes must have had a lot of secrets and liked hanging out in tunnels. And then Maris says that she thought that they were wrong about Ellie killing Hayes, but now it seems like she did and maris says like if ellie did kill Hayes, then she got what she deserved whatever who cares stevie's phone rings it's edward king he asked how david took finding ellie and stevie is surprised that he's not talking about like the deal that david found out about and he says he will smooth things over with her parents and if anything they have less to worry about now because ellie's not on the loose like a supposed murderer's not running around the school so then Stevie meets Janelle Nate, and Vi for breakfast and David sits down and is super awkward. He didn't stay in the yurt either and he's just like aggressively eating and ignoring her and I, it's dumb. So pointless. I'm telling you I read the rest of the book. None of this matters but we got to go through it. So Stevie gets up to get some food when Gretchen approaches her and Gretchen asks if Stevie thought Ellie really killed Hayes and Stevie's like I don't know. It's dumb. We know she didn't. I mean, we don't know, but we know. So headmaster Charles announces to the cafeteria that one is what happened, like one of the students found Ellie in the tunnel. Everyone already knows this because it's a school and people gossip, whatever. Can you tell I'm annoyed? Because I feel like I'm just like, this sucks, I hate this buck. <laughs> Uh, anyways okay so he tells them that ellie was apparently trapped in the tunnel and that the students of minerva would have accommodations made until they sealed off the tunnel because people wrapped in trash bags are just trapped you know so dr quinn approaches the table like the minerva kids table and she talks to nate but stevie says it's clear she's over there because of david but doesn't say why i big. who cares probably the squirrels uh, I don't even know if this matters because it really never comes back around. But Janelle asked, what can we do to help? Dr. Quinn suggests the students prepare a message for the media. Vi says she's experienced working on messages for all kinds of campaigns. Okay, question mark. Like, is she involved with Edward King? Because that's what it sounds like. David leaves. Nate asks Stevie what the F is going on. Chapter 18. I kind of flew through that, but like really none of that comes back around. So Stevie has recruited Nate to help her in case something happens and she gets pulled from the school so she tells nate about her deal with edward king and how that's david's dad and she also shows him the tin and explains what it is and then larry calls stevie and says she has a visitor at the main house which apparently is a big deal because they don't even allow parents just to like randomly visit and it's dr fenton and hunter and fenton talks to charles while stevie gives hunter a tour It's really drawn out. But long story short, which you're going to hear me say a thousand times because summarizing this book was an absolute nightmare. So long story short, Hunter tells Stevie that Fenton believes the rumor that Albert changed his will to whoever found Alice dead or alive would get the Ellingham money. Stevie doesn't believe it because if that was true, it'd be more published. Like at the time, they would have published it to have people come forward. Hunter says that Fenton talked to Robert McKenzie and that he went against Albert's wishes and never made it public because he was worried about imposters coming forward. So Fenton also thinks that the school boards knows this is true as well. I don't know why Fenton thinks that, but it makes more sense later on. So Hunter's telling Stevie this because he thinks his aunt is using Stevie and only wants the money. He informs Stevie that she isn't the first student that Fenton has recruited this year, but he doesn't know who this other person is. He just overheard them talking on the phone. Stevie assumes it was either Hayes or Ellie, which I feel like is probably accurate. But like, I also feel like it could be Vi or... Jermaine or I, it could literally be anyone and this literally never comes back around and we'll probably won't find out till next book so Jermaine walks by and Stevie thinks that Jermaine overheard this conversation which this doesn't come back around either but Stevie says she just accidentally repaid the favor she owed to Jermaine I'm like uh, irritated now because I wrote these first half notes like several days ago and I'm now realizing that none of this comes back around Like, Jermaine doesn't make a bat report or anything. It's so stupid. Chapter 19. (laughs) Okay, so five days have passed since they found Ellie's body. And Edward King assured Stevie's parents that everything's fine. David's acting normal, but is completely ignoring Stevie. But he's going to classes and stuff. Big who cares. Mudge, who's a pointless character, is talking to Stevie in science class. Nothing important. He's super nice. Just not the place to discuss it. That's what my notes say. Stevie thinks Ellie must have been in the basement before to know where the tunnel entrance was because she only had a few minutes head start. So that basement's really confusing. You couldn't just go down there and be like, oh, I found a secret passage. Great. So Stevie, we even remember this. Stevie gets an email response from Ann Abbott. This is the person that wrote the cookbook that mentions Frances and her family. So the email response says that Frankie was cut out of her parents' will for something unknown. And My notes say, read page 284, the last paragraph. So let me get there. So this is in the email response from Ann Abbott. I did speak to someone in the family when I was writing the book, and I seem to remember they said that Frances may have gone to France right before the war and that she lived in Paris and had a daughter. I'll see if I can find out more. You have me curious now. Blah, blah, blah. Have a wonderful day. So I say... (laughs) Duh. I predicted this. The daughter of Frankie and Eddie is probably Edward King's mom. Big who cares? They don't talk about this ever again in this book either. Is it just me or is it pretty clear that like Edward King killed or was involved in the death of Hayes and Ellie? Like he's the only bad guy left around present day. Okay. Stevie rants about... What? What is she ranting about? I don't even know. Okay. So Stevie is ranting about the Will stuff, I think. And... She says it's hard to believe because there's no money to be had with the Ellingham stuff. But it's like you're living there and it's clearly worth like billions of dollars. I don't even know what she's talking about. But she thinks about earlier when Dr. Quinn was talking to their table and she talks. I didn't mention this, but she talks about the school planning on expanding. So maybe there is money to be had. Duh. And this has an asterisk. It says, I can't even complete my theory because I care that little about this whole plot. Okay, so basically what I was trying to say is that green clock that was in Albert's office that Charles moved up to his office, I think there's a will hidden in it, like Albert's will. That doesn't come around either, but I still think that. So, Security Larry informs Stevie that it's his last day. Two kids have died on his watch, so they gave him the boot. I kind of feel like that's reasonable, though. (laughs) He tells her not to investigate the Hayes and Ellie thing any further, He gives her his number and tells her to call for any reason because he has a bad feeling and she needs to keep herself safe. She ends up using it, but whatever. She asked him for one last favor. A ride. To where? We won't know until I go over this next part. October 30th, 1938, 1 p.m. Says, I'm confused by this chapter. There's a lot of information, but I don't know how it all fits together. So there's that. It's Albert's perspective. It's the day he goes on the boat that blows up. It starts with... It was funny, really. The riddle had been the answer. It's not the answer. They explain it. I'm going to scream about it. So save like the last 20 minutes for me to have an aneurysm. Talks about the green clock that's in Charles' office. Got it. Okay. Copy of Albert's Will. Let me read this word for word. 291. Let's see here so first of all it says he scanned it until he found the part that concerned him so the last part that i read is the part that's concerning the amount of 10 million dollars shall be held in trust for my daughter alice madeline ellingham should my daughter no longer be among the living any person persons or organization that locates her earthly remains provided it is established that they were in no way connected to her disappearance shall receive this sum if she is not located page turn By her 19th birthday, these funds shall be released to be used for the Ellingham Academy in any way the board sees fit. So he's kind of concerned about the 18th birthday situation. So Mackenzie expresses concern about releasing a reward to the public, which we already know because Fenton says that. Whoever finds Alice gets the fortune, etc. Albert claims he knows something about his daughter that no one else does. So he will know the truth if someone comes forward. I don't know. They talk about that a ton too, but like Lord almighty, that doesn't come around either. How many times have I said that? 15. So Albert talks about the riddle on the Western Union slip. Where is someone never really there? Don't even get me started. So he says he finally wrote it out, but for several days was not ready to commit it to paper. He had known, it's not, does not specify what, since he first read the Sherlock book that Dottie marked. This is so dumb because now I know the answer. It's really annoying. He found the sentence she underlined and it meant something to him. And I have. I have some problems with this. So let's dive into my mind of what I was thinking before it disclosed what all this meant. So the underline is talking about a man's head is empty and you fill it with furniture of your choosing. And I said, we know she did not know who the person was that killed her, but thought it was someone who would hang out at the Ellingham house. Guess what? The author doesn't follow that theory and Dottie knows exactly who murders her, but we don't, oh, I'm going to scream. So anyways, I, from this conclusion, I say it's not Leo cause he's a teacher or the Minerva house mother or any of the students. And if she didn't know who it was, how could she send a message to elder about who it was, which is my problem. But then magically she does know who it was to get this book to keep going. It said that hundreds of people either work or visit the main house this is wrong apparently, but I say at this point in the book, I also believe Voracek is the one who collected the money at the dome because he was beat up for not getting enough like of the ransom. So they're saying there was a person there just 30 minutes before Voracek, but that's all wrong. I'm completely wrong apparently. So in case you couldn't tell, spoiler alert, Dottie knew all along who murdered her, which none of the other books, nothing points to that, but to like have this big reveal at the end we have to like change the whole plot i'm furious we're not even there yet okay this part's also infuriating so then albert listens to a recording of Margot fields the phone operator of the night of the kidnapping and i'm assuming it's from the court testament at voracek's trial because i don't know why else he'd have a recording of her and he says everything was there all falling perfectly into place when he added what Margot fields had revealed like, I'm kind of cutting to it, but at some point, they listen to this recording and it's not of Margot Fields. It's of something else that I won't reveal yet. But, like, none of this makes sense. Don't tell me that's what he was listening to and then we listen to something else. And, like, do you need to turn your volume down? Because I'm screaming. Okay, back to the book. Albert tells Mackenzie he's going to the yacht club. We know. And it goes through the whole thing. Go have a picnic. Go live life. Whatever. I had to read 50 pages of it. So then Albert's looking at the gun in his desk. And I thought this was important, but I guess it's not. But I say at some point he meets up with the house mother of Minerva to get the gun back because he previously gave it to her at the empty pool house. But we don't ever talk about that. He decides not to bring the gun. His plan is well balanced. It's time to play a game. So then I have another asterisk in here. And it says the theory at this point is that Charles and the school found or are looking for the will so they can have the money to expand the school. And Fenton's also looking for the will because maybe she knows what happened to Alice and wants to collect on the reward. That's still the theory I hold. Chapter 20. Stevie goes to Fenton's house and waits for her to leave to go teach a class. And then she texts Hunter who lets her in. And she shows him the tin and explains that she's the real deal. So she has to see this interview with Mackenzie. So Hunter shows her Fenton's notes, which I guess I'm going to read. Page 303. Let's find it. Mm, my gosh. So this says, this is just like her notes. So it's like kind of bullet points. Ellingham left the house and I of the kidnapping for approximately 45 minutes around 2 a.m., did not go through the front door, seemed to leave from office. Mackenzie seemed sure that there was a tunnel leading from the great house out, and possibly another that went from Minerva, where Ellingham would house his mistress, to a location on the opposite side of the property. We know this. Last thing Albert Ellingham said was, it was on the wire. Okay, so Stevie mentions that on the night of Albert's quote-unquote death, I say that I'm pretty sure he died on that boat. The War of the Worlds aired on the radio, I don't know if you guys know that whole story, but like this is true. They did a radio show, War of the Worlds, and people thought it was real and they thought there really was like an alien invasion. So that's our conclusion, even though that's completely wrong and pointless and a waste of everyone's time. Hunter and Stevie go for a walk before Fenton can return and catch them. They talk about how Fenton is an alcoholic, duh. And Hunter's one rule is she doesn't drive and he's like there to help her out and he gets free tuition and stuff discounted whatever then he explains that he uses a crutch because of juvenile rheumatoid arthritis and he's had it since he's 15 kind of big who cares but like he's not a trash human being so i will dedicate some time on the podcast for him then they're walking about a block from the courthouse and they see david getting punched in the face repeatedly by a group of skateboarders chapter 21 weird 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 <laughs> Is what it says. So the long and the short of it is David paid guys to beat him up and then he recorded it and then he hacked Hayes' old YouTube and uploaded it and he isn't going back to Ellingham. He's sorry, not sorry. That'll mess up Stevie's deal with his dad. And also he says to her that she could have just told him he would have understood. He says Stevie waited until David found out his friend was decaying in a tunnel. And I said, David's right about all this because i feel like he really would have understood like she's like hey your dad the only reason he sent me back was blah 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 this deal david been like okay i'm glad you're here and i'm glad you told me and i'm glad like your feelings are real and he's basically like i open up to you about my family and stuff and now i know not to open up to people stevie's trash whatever she starts crying he walks away you go david stevie sucks okay so Stevie tells Janelle that David's Edward King's son and about the deal she made with him. Like big who cares? She makes it seem like I'm confiding my friends. I'm awesome. So Janelle tells Stevie that she should tell Pix he doesn't plan on coming back to Ellingham, he being David, and about the video. Stevie can tell David's doing all this to send a message, but can't figure out what. Snooze. Burp, 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 burp. And she's sure that Edward King will pull her from school. Janelle says no more secrets, but Stevie still doesn't tell her about the tin. But okay. The next morning, Edward King calls Stevie and is upset about the video. He informs her that she was one possible solution to David's problem. And he suggests Stevie talks to David or he will find another solution. And he'll be calling in the morning the next day, which never happens because we don't get that far. Stevie basically goes over everything we already know. The truly lit- devious letter is not related to the kidnapping, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. She gets to the main house and goes to the attic. She finds the quote-unquote wire and the player for it, the recording that Mackenzie was talking about that we know from the backflash that Albert listened to before he left. She doesn't know how to play it, so she's gonna ask Janelle says literally an entire chapter to recap everything so we can feel like Stevie knows what we know. I'm so bored. This book sucks. Oh, and how she recaps it is like in her mind. Frankie and Eddie and Dottie and all of them are sitting in a circle and she's talking to them and it sucks and I hate everything about it. Chapter 23. Let's do it. Oh my God. They're literally talking about how it's going to snow for a few days. Get to the freaking point before I die is the first note. But apparently in the next book, there's a snowstorm, but also I don't care. So Stevie, Nate, and Vi are, I'm telling you, Vi's always there. I'm just saying. Are all there well? Janelle's fixing the machine. This takes forever. There's a million things that they talk about that I hate. Okay, so the tape starts playing and it's not the phone operator whose name I can't think of. It's an interview between Dottie and Albert Ellingham. He wants to talk to her about the school and stuff. Also, how freaking creepy. So Stevie hears Dottie talk about second story men, which is high-end thieves would go through the second story. So I don't even want to explain this, but okay. So Dottie's uncle is a cop. And then she, as you know, would like hide certain places. So he'd always describe her as a second story man because she would like crawl into spaces and hide or whatever. So then she talks about how attic men are the cops that that's the only way they could catch second story men like they would be up in the attic above them. This triggers Stevie to run to the library immediately without finishing the wire recording. Does anyone know what all this means? Because it's pretty obvious. I'll get there in a couple seconds though. So Stevie gets out the Sherlock Holmes book that Dottie marked up. I have an like cab. Shottie doesn't recognize the person so how can she leave a note? But apparently that's wrong. So what she underlined was I consider that a man's brain originally is like a little empty attic and you have to stock." it with such furniture as you choose and they also say that in the book a body is found with the word i can't pronounce it's german spelled r-a-c-h-e and it means revenge like so irrelevant anyways stevie figures out who kidnapped iris and alice it doesn't say but i say marsh duh because the addicts referring to the police revenge when albert blew up the boat with marsh and himself on it david's paying to be beat up marsh could have had himself beat up to look innocent and that's why he was doing the money drops, which I'm a little bit wrong about that. But that would have been a better plot than the actual plot. OK, so Stevie calls Fenton. Fenton says, not now. I'll call you back in a bit. The kid is there. The kid is there. And then hangs up. And then I don't write this in my note, but at some point, Stevie texts, can't remember his name, whatever, Fenton's nephew. And it's like never read. The text isn't read. OK, bad things are happening. ooh October 30th, 1938, 5 p.m. Albert and Marsh are on the boat. Albert explains to Marsh the marking in the book and explains what I already told you about how it's referring to a police officer. Then Albert tells Marsh the boat is rigged with a bomb attached to the rope in his- and they'll both go up if Marsh doesn't tell him exactly what he wants to know. Da dot, dot, dot. And then I have asterisk Marsh talked to Frankie about the cutout letters, a truly Davis letter, so he could have used it to cover up his own crime, which is kind of what happened. Okay, chapter 24. Stevie talks through what we know, another wasted chapter. She calls Larry and says she solved the case, but she doesn't say it's Marsh. She just says, oh, I solved the case. Then she says something's wrong with Fenton because she won't call back and Hunter, Hunter, that's his name, didn't read his text. So Larry is going over there to check on her. October 30th, 1938, 6 p.m. We kind of figure out what happened. So, this is like semi interesting, but it also makes zero sense. So, let's do it. Albert's talking to Marsh and explaining all the things he found while investigating, including the cocaine that Leo had that Iris was taking. It does not say this, but I'm saying, is that what was in the compact that Flora like went all the way and wasted six chapters of my life to go get? Really? Because it's never brought up. Really? It was just hiding cocaine. Really? I mean, cocaine's bad, but like six chapters worth of nothing? Okay. My next note, get ready, says WTF. Okay. Riddle time. I'm furious. Okay. Are you guys ready for this explanation? This isn't even me. This is what the book says. Okay. Are you ready? Always on a staircase, but never on a stair. What do you get when you remove stair from staircase? Case, right? Okay. mm-hmm. Who's always on a case? An investigator. Who's someone who's never really there? The guest who isn't a guest, the police officer there to protect, never part of the crime. Marsh is the person standing on the vanishing stair. Please tell me, please tell me before I scream how that riddle is even good. It's so diluted and it doesn't even point to anything. Oh, what staircase without the staircase? And then the part my husband, this drives him crazy. Who's someone who's never really there? A guest who isn't a guest? What? He's there all the time. This is so stupid. Like, I could think of a better riddle in three seconds. What kind of wound can you only see in a mirror? The one from a knife held by a friend so dear. Getting stabbed in the back. Wow, that took me three freaking seconds. Oh, I'm irritated. Okay, shall we move on? I can't. I will scream about this for 10 hours. This book makes no sense and it's lazy. Dottie apparently knew who marsh was but the very first chapter of the first book she came and tell us if it's a man in the room so like someone explained that to me so they tell us that Dottie's uncle knew who Marsh was and originally Dottie was afraid to go to Ellingham because it's up in the forest or whatever and she felt better knowing that Marsh was there so don't write a chapter from Dottie's perspective and make it seem like she doesn't know the person when she knew all along it makes the book hard to follow it's pointless and don't even get me started on the riddle again because I just started thinking about it oh my gosh I'm furious Okay, you guys, you want to know Marsh's explanation for this whole thing, which my husband totally called this. I don't know if I said it, but Marsh lays it out for us. And he says he's $20,000 in gambling debt. So he planned the kidnapping to get the money. That's what my husband said. He said he thought someone was like involved with the mob or whatever. Okay. So first of all, that's stupid. And Albert kind of brings this up, but he's like, you could have just asked me for the money. And then Marsh is like, no, because then you would never work for me again because I'm irresponsible with gambling debt. And I'm like, this is super, super dumb. Um, you could have just said, "Hey, I need it for some FBI thing," or like I pro-, like I bet Marsh could have gone out and been like, "No questions asked, and I have 20 grand. I'll pay you back." And he would have been like, "Sure, no big deal." Also, I don't know if this is in my notes, but he says that when he planned it, he thought Iris would think it was like funny and like a story to tell at the dinner table that she was kidnapped because she's so bored up there, and that's why she was doing coke or whatever, but like also dumb. So he hired two guys to help, that he says he didn't think were like dangerous and whatever. He told the phone operator to patch Albert to a payphone instead of his house and say that she was like, patching him through to Marsh's house. And he tells her to lie because of FBI business and that's why her story is sketchy. Big who cares? Marsh originally planned for Iris just to be tied up in a barn and then when he did the money drop off, he would just like get her and bring her back. But apparently she put up a fight because Alice was with her and things got complicated. Now I have a problem with this as well, because it says she always went for drives with Alice. So like, don't act surprised that Alice was there. It's so stupid. So apparently after the first drop or whatever, the two men that Marsh hired knew that Albert was worth like a lot of money. And he offered them like, I think two grand a piece. And they're like, no, that's not enough. So they bring in a third unknown man into the situation. And that's, I'm assuming who killed Iris. They really did beat up Marsh and demanded more money after that. And Marsh was out of control of the deal. And the second drop off was like real. Like he didn't plan it. Marsh did kill Dottie. She fell and hit her head, which we know all this. And to basically put her out of her misery because she was like squirming around and stuff. He took like, uh, ai don't think he knew what it was, like a pipe or whatever. And he knocked her, like killed her, hit her in the head. And he also says he's the one that knocked Albert out at the first drop off. The plan was always to frame Voracek and Voracek wasn't involved at all, but Marsh doesn't know who shot him at the courthouse. And that's kind of just like brushed off like, oh, it's probably like people Voracek knew or whatever. Big who cares. Marsh does know where Alice is. He doesn't say if she's dead or alive and he doesn't tell Albert where Alice is. And then Marsh says he knows all Albert's secrets. With the newspaper and all the payments made to bury stories to keep politicians on a leash, he bets Mackenzie doesn't even know all of it. Marsh says he knows about Alice too, and he asks if that's Albert's biggest secret of all. And then Marsh drops a cigarette and sets the whole boat on fire and it blows up. Are you disappointed as I am? Because I'm very upset. I'm sad. This had so much potential. Okay, one last cliffhanger before the book ends. Chapter 25 Stevie's talking to Nate when Larry calls. There was a house fire. Fenton supposedly left the gas on and lit a cigarette, and she's dead. <laughs> That's supposed to be like, oh my God, but like also, I kind of don't care. Hunter was found in the house too, but his condition's unknown. We know he's not dead, or they would have already said that. Stevie thinks about what Fenton said. The kid is there. The kid is there. She faints before she can tell Larry. And a book. Crew. This is terrible. Ready for my layering questions and theories? I already talked about a ton of them during, but here we go. The kid Fenton mentions, I think, is Edward King, but they're trying to make it look like it was David. But it's like, I don't know. I think, it's kind of, I think she's saying the kid because she knows that Eddie, like the relation between Edward King and Eddie and Frankie. That's just my theory. This is a question. This is explained during Marsh saying everything. So he said, after they found Iris and stuff. He started investigating the case like for real to figure out who like this third person was and like where Alice was. And that's how he knows what happened to Alice. And I say, if through investigating Marsh found out what happened to Alice, why wouldn't he just come forward as an investigator and tell Albert? Cause like Albert didn't know he was involved. So he could have been like, Hey, I've been investigating this case cause you're my friend and I actually care about this. And I found Alice. Like, I don't feel like it would have been that hard, but anyways, theory I think David thinks his dad's involved and that's what he's up to because like with leaving the school and he's trying to get Stevie out of the deal with his dad and get her kicked out of school so she's safe. Like, I don't think he's mad. I think he's like trying to do something nice for her. Big who cares? But that's my theory. Question, how did Albert not recognize Marsh at the dome? I looked it up and like apparently there was a flashlight shown his light, but like, I don't know how you wouldn't recognize your best friend. Like, seriously, this is ridiculous. Poor writing. Another question. Why didn't Voracek tell Albert or the court that he wasn't involved at all? Like, I don't know what the benefit of keeping his mouth shut if he's being completely framed. And then I say, why does none of this make sense? That riddle was a huge Gumby size stretch. And then let's read some Amazon reviews for funsies, huh? There's some good ones. Let me pull it up. I'll just grab parts of these so this says a good mystery typically lays most of their cards on the table and begs you to solve them if you can here we're given some clues to start and then thrown other tidbits of clues at the very end we could have never picked up on ever and again and again we're fed more but it doesn't feel fun completely agree it also says david and stevie are toxic together it moves unbearably slow and really nothing happens i love the characters and i won't spoil what plot exists but it is infuriatingly incomplete the whole book of seemingly holding its breath and to be honest i'm turning blue from holding my breath so long the length of unresolved plot lines is slowly choking me out like dry ice left in a tunnel the thing is the mystery itself is intriguing and makes you want to find out what happened to the Ellinghams but damn if it isn't taking so long to get there because of all the other stuff and nonsense lastly the character of Stevie as an angsty teen who chopped all her hair off and wears hoodies and thinks completely opposite of her parents doesn't respect them is beyond unimaginative as far as characters go just saying 75% overstretched filler, sad face. It is full of unnecessary internal dialogue and overstretched treatment of trivial situations. Certainly most of this second book could be discarded with no harm to the plot or its environment. This second book adds little, merely prolongs. Based on this middle book, I expect this third book to be at least half filler before arriving at a completion that should have been placed as final chapters in the first book. This one says bloody, awful, drawn, and repetitive errors. Dang. If I'd known the first book was going to be a cliffhanger, I wouldn't have bothered. Then stupidly toiled through the redundant, frustratingly slow second book and still neither the old case nor the new case were fully solved. I feel like I was reading something I wrote in junior high but had to reach certain number of words for it to be counted as a book. Ugh, I don't even care who did it anymore. I feel you. So I hope that was fun for you. Okay, next we're gonna be reading The Hand on the Wall, which is the final book in the series. And on the cover, there's a paintbrush. So I don't know if that's referring to Leo or Ellie, I suppose, but that's a tidbit. So I'm gonna read the back in typical dramatic fashion. School should not be famous for murders. Ellingham Academy must be cursed. Three people are now dead, two on campus, and now an accident in town that has claimed another life. All at the exact moment of Stevie's greatest triumph. She knows who Truly Devious is. She solved the greatest case of the century. At least she thinks she has. With so much tragedy, and with David missing, dash disappeared, and definitely up to something, it's hard to focus on the past. But Stevie is sure that somehow all these things are connected. The three deaths in the present, the deaths in the past, The missing Alice Ellingham and the missing David Eastman. When a horrifying accident and impending snowstorm forced an evacuation of Ellingham Academy, Stevie realizes it's time to stay on the mountain and face the storm and a murderer, which is Edward King. Like it's kind of obvious, right? Okay. Thanks, as always, for listening. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the Jolly Reader podcast. Sorry, I don't post on Facebook as much. I post a lot more on Instagram. But, anyways, subscribe so you can instantly download the next episode if you care or you can just wait until i start a new book because these are terrible but i hope i've made it entertaining if you're on apple podcast please leave a review to help other crewmates find this podcast share with everyone you know share with your friends your family your trash people i don't care share stay tuned for your weekly dose of secondhand embarrassment via the outtakes And I will talk to you next week for, or maybe two weeks. I might take a break between books. I will talk to you next time for part one of The Hand on the Wall. Until we sail again, this has been the Jolly Reader Bone Voyage. Hey, made it to the outtakes. Let's do it. Testing. This book is truly horrible. Vanishing of my... Happiness. (laughs) Happiness. <laughs> okay, let's see how this does. Ahoy, and welcome to the Jolly Reader. This is way too loud. I have to turn it down. <laughs> so, take a sip of my coffee because I'm already over it. We're five seconds in. Full disclosure route. Like, he goes to full disclosure. Ah. David in the library and library. Chapter 17. Money, stop! I need to pause this for a second. Hey, okay, never mind. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I gotta find my place in my notes. I suck. Okay. Okay. The amount of $10 million shall be head- held... I cannot talk. Big who cares? She makes it seem like I'm confiding my friends. I'm awesome. Waffle, stop chewing on a bag. Oh, I gotta kick my cat out. He's a butt. Ow. Oh, my goodness. Okay. That she should... I need to adjust this. Sorry steven can stevie my first steven of the recording chapter 22 the next morning steve er, i am Allie and you are with me to my mom